We're so happy you're joining us on our Brentwood Church podcast. To find out more about Brentwood, go to brentwoodchurch.org. During this episode, Pastor John shares a great message that we pray will lead you to new and deeper levels with Jesus Christ. So open up your Bible or Bible app and grab a notebook or simply listen along. for Christmas. Hey, we're going to get into this in just a second, but I want to celebrate something. Uh, First, I want to celebrate these families once more. Can we give them a hand? We just say thank you for having the courage to come up here and say, we're going to make this public and we're going to go all in uh, with this. The other thing that I want to celebrate is this. Um, About a month or so ago, uh, Morgan, uh, who was leading us in worship, uh, she stepped forward in the microphone and she just told us and shared with us what was going on in her family and that her sister Emily had battled cancer more than once and uh, that her cancer diagnosis had come back. And now we have made 2018 the year of wonder where we've just said, hey, we're going to be very intentional about praying for God's healing and for his miracles and his awes and wonders to be in our midst. And we stood up that day as a church and we prayed for Emily's healing. And you guys stood up and you lifted hands and we just said, God, we're believing in a miracle. Uh, I want to share with you today that Emily's cancer has, it's gone. And her scan are clear. And that is very, very powerful. And you know something, here's what I, here's what I know, um, that when God's people get together and, and they, they're obedient to gather with the church and to seek his Spirit and his manifest presence, and he shows up in a very potent and miraculous way. And we get to be a part of that week in and week out. Another thing I want to celebrate is this uh, in the first service, uh, as always, we share and we give people the opportunity to take the first step to believe in and follow Jesus Christ. And we had one person who raised their hand to say, today is the day that I stop rebelling and resisting God and I accept his invitation. I love that. Um, We're gonna jump into uh, the continuation of this series. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter two uh, in your Bible or in the Brentwood app. You can follow along in your notes. This whole series is set up with this idea that God has put inside of all of us an internal and an external longing. We have a longing for belonging. We have a longing for peace and love and purpose. We have a longing for all of these things that God has put in us. It's not weakness. It's not strange. It's not weird. It's like God created us to long for these things, and they are both internal and eternal. Here's what happens, though, and this is the challenge. Sometimes we heap expectations on imperfect people to fill those longings for us. And what do we do? We go home for Christmas. And Christmas is that time of year where all of these longings get extra potent, right? Because we go home to our natural families, we come to church with our spiritual families, and we say, okay, imperfect people, fill these things perfectly for me. And here's what we're realizing, that we can never go home for a perfect Christmas. Why? Two reasons. First, this world is not our home. And second, our families aren't perfect, Neither our natural families 
nor our church family. And if you're one of those people looking for the perfect church family, guess what? The moment you show up, you make it imperfect. Can I get a witness? Yeah, you just ruined it. You just ruined it because nobody's perfect. And I think sometimes we, we say that, but we really need to pause and go, no, no, no. This is a big deal that we realize. First, this is not our home. Now, if you're new to church or you don't believe and follow Jesus, I'm glad that you're here. But that statement may have sounded kind of weird to you. What do you mean this is not our home? Here's what I mean by that. And you're, you're going to see that more and more through this series. And if you hang out with us, I think it's going to be compelling for you. And that is, as great as this life can get, and it can get pretty awesome, we can have some pretty amazing experiences and relationships but as amazing as it can get, you know, you get that job, you get married, you, you cross a threshold or you have a milestone in life and it's a hip, hip, hooray. As great as this life is, it can never fully satisfy us. It's not our home. And God says, look, I am going to rescue you, redeem you. And when this life passes, I will, through Jesus Christ, usher you into a new heaven and a new earth, resurrection power, and you will live forever with me in eternity in a new home, a complete home, a perfect home. But while we're here in this human experience, it ain't perfect. And neither is our family. They're just not going to be perfect. And so we have to realize that and we have to grapple with this so that we can show up at home, both in our spiritual family, the church, in our community groups, in our serving teams, and in our global teams, and in, in all of the ways that we gather as a church, we can show up with the correct posture, the correct attitude, and the correct expectations. Otherwise, we get disappointed, we get discontent, and then we get disconnected. That's what happens. You know, these people that we heap these perfect expectations on, And we expect them to be perfect. They don't deliver. And ultimately, we become so discontent that we're just keeping them at arm's length. Well, yeah, I figured you wouldn't. You fill in the blank. We're going to get to Ephesians in just a second. I want to share a little story with you. Uh, Back in the summertime, I was heading north on 29 through Amherst County. And I was heading to the hospital to, to visit a family. And one of my fellow citizens of the Commonwealth, who also happened to be an officer of the law decided he wanted to talk to me on the side of the road. I don't know why. He decided he wanted to talk to me, so he, so, so he pulls me over. And um, I don't know about you, but I've never had a moment when I'm pulled over for speeding or any traffic violation. And I've thought, how grateful I am that this officer of the law is keeping our streets and our highways and our byways protected and just from lawbreakers like me. I've never had that moment. In fact, what I have had is those moments where I'm denying and I'm justifying and I'm telling myself a story as to why I should be able to get out of this ticket. The officer comes to my window. He says, do you know why I pulled you over? I said, well, I guess you don't want me to help some people in the hospital. I didn't say that. That's what I was thinking, though. I was thinking that he wanted to persecute me for my faith, right? But I didn't say that. I said, uh, no, sir, uh, I don't. He says, well, you were going 74 and a 60. And I said, well, I, I thought it was 65. He says, well, you were still speeding. It's like, oh, I hate you. 
You know, that little nine miles and over grace. Anyway, he writes me a citation, says, I'll see you in court. And several weeks later, I'm at the Amherst County Courthouse in my Sunday best, uh, which is not jeans and a sweater. It's actually a suit and a tie. And I, I go to the courthouse and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to tell him about my ignorance. I thought I was 65 and maybe he'll grace upon me. Uh, I'm going to let him know that uh, I was uh, going to the hospital to, to minister to a family as a brother in Christ and as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's going to repent of his sins and I'm going to baptize him and it's going to be awesome. The conversation with um, the judge was about 45 seconds, and it ended with me being guilty and him saying, if you'll exit that door, you can pay the clerk on your way out. Guilty. I don't care about your story. I don't care what you thought. I don't, you broke the law, and now you have to pay. Now, I share that story w- with you because I think that we can all have that mentality of we always want the system to give us grace and mercy. We never want to be the ones who are justice, right? We never want justice administered to us. We, of course, want everybody else to receive justice. We want to make sure that our streets are safe and that our, you know, you know, corporate America is keeping their nose clean and government and, you know, and the criminal justice. We all want that. But when we get pulled over or when we get called out, we want grace and mercy. I don't know. That's just me. I tell myself a story. I can deny. I can justify. And what ends up happening is we take that same mentality into our homes, Right? We want everybody to get justice, and we are fine administering it. Right, We are fine walking into home for Christmas, both our natural family and our church family, and judging people, judging Cousin Eddie. Everybody has a Cousin Eddie. And our moms and our dads and our sisters and our siblings and our uncles and our aunts and the people in our community group and the guy that sat me down you know, at church or handed me the coffee or whatever. The person who didn't We're so quick to administer justice, and yet what we want from those people is, give me a break. Come on, how about a little grace here? How about a little mercy? I've heard it said that grace is to receive a gift we don't deserve, and mercy is to not receive consequences that we do deserve. And we can very quickly get in a mindset where we want imperfect people to work hard to love us. And yet, we don't want to work hard to love those same imperfect people. We want everybody to show up and give us the benefit of the doubt. We want everybody to say, oh, it's just John. He's okay. He didn't mean it. We want everybody to be patient with us because we had a bad day and we're bringing it home and we want them to just sort of pay attention to us and say, it's okay. You're so awesome and we get it. We want them working extra hard to give us grace and mercy. But whoa, are we quick to give them justice, both internally and externally. And here's the problem with that. If we expect imperfect people to love perfectly, we will always be, here it is again, disappointed, which leads to discontentment, which ultimately leads to disconnection. And I think some of you are here today, and you've disconnected from another church family, and another church family, and another church family. 
because you wanted all of them to have grace and mercy on you. But as soon as you didn't get your way, as soon as someone hurt your feelings, as soon as it didn't go the way you thought it should go, as soon as someone asked you to step up and, and participate in a way that you didn't want to, you put everybody at arm's length and eventually you walked out. You did that with your family. Maybe, maybe you haven't talked to your sister in three years. Maybe you haven't talked to your mom and dad in a long time. Maybe you show up in body, but when it comes to heart, soul, and attitude, man, you are checked out. Why? Because you and I want grace and mercy, but we give justice to the people who are hard to love. We give them what they think or what we think they deserve. They deserve, because of the way they talk to us, for us to ignore them, for us to be spiteful to them, for us to be passive aggressive in our approach to them, for us to just shut them out of our life altogether. Wow, is that how God created us to have relationships? Is that how he loves us? Well, that's what Paul is talking about in Ephesians. Remember, Paul wrote this letter to a church that he helped plant. In fact, he spent three and a half years weeping over this church, calling these men and women to the teachings of Christ and to live in the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit and to love each other. And he goes off after three and a half years and he says, I'm going to go start some new churches. And he gets word that this church needs his assistance and needs his instructions all over again. So he spends the first three chapters, chapters one through three, reminding them, here's who God is in your life. Here's how he sees you. Here's what he's done for you. And then what does he do? He spends the back three chapters, chapters four, five, and six, saying, okay, here's how you have human relationships. Here's how you have relationships with the people in your home, your natural family, your spouse, your children. And here's how you have relationships with your spiritual family, your church. Here's how you show up for them. And here's how they should show up for you. And so we jump in to Ephesians chapter two, grappling with this whole idea of do we and should we give people what we think they deserve or something different? Look what he says. Verse one, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you, read down here, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the power of this unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. What does Paul do? He calls out the members of this church, and he says two things. Before Christ, before you understood who Christ is and what he did for you, you were an agent of the devil. Like, that's pretty powerful. I mean, when somebody says, hey, don't forget, you were one of the devil's minions, and by the way, your nature, your very nature was to rebel against the things of God. Don't forget that. 
That's a big deal. Why should we not forget that? And this is big. When we remember how lost we were before Jesus, we begin to recognize how loved we are in Jesus. That is so good. That is so good. When we recognize, wait a minute, oh, I deserved death and separation from God for eternity. I was a rebel against God. I was his enemy, and yet he sent the love that was so radical and so reckless, the love that is embodied through his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to tell me how crazy he is about me. I didn't deserve that. And what Paul says is, hey guys, I want you to know before we talk about how you interact with your natural family and your church family, don't forget who you were. Because when you recognize how lost you were before Jesus, you can really express and you can really experience the love that God has for you. I think some of you needed to hear that today. I think some of you have gotten so good at going to church and being a moralist you keep your nose clean, you, you don't smoke, drink, or chew, or hang with ladies who do, whatever that even means. Something that your grandpa told you is the scorecard for righteousness. And you and I sometimes will keep that scorecard and we'll say, yep, yep. And then what do we do? Instead of giving grace and mercy recklessly and radically like God has given us, we give justice to people because they deserve it. Mm. Yes, do you know what my mama said to me last Christmas? Do you know what my sister, do you know what that girl in my community group or that couple in my serving team, they never dot, dot, dot. He keeps going, verse, two, verse four. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we, even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Verse six, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. He brings it home. He says, so God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Man, aren't you glad that God gave us a gift we did not deserve? I am. I am so glad because I did not deserve that kind of love. That when I was a rebel against God, like I wasn't even looking for him. I wasn't even chasing after God. I wasn't even opening up my Bible saying, God, you know, I'm really looking out for you and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find you in this. No, no, no. He was chasing me. He was chasing you and me with his love. That's who he is. He's not waiting on us to figure it out on our own. He is sending his love through his Holy Spirit and through his people and through the message of his gospel to us anyway, anyhow, with anybody so that we would know how crazy he is for us. And I think some of you are here today to hear that. He loves you. Write this down. When we recognize God's undeserved love for us, guess what? We can give undeserved love for other people. We can do it. I want you to look to the person beside you and say, 
You don't deserve it, but neither do I. Go ahead, say it. Yeah, yeah, come on. Turn around, say it to the person behind you. You, you. You've been wanting to say it. You don't deserve it, but neither do I. You don't deserve the rack, reckless and radical love of God, but neither do I. But yet, he gave it. And he gave it not with like a little thimble of love. He gave it with a endless, boundless ocean of grace and mercy. He did not give us consequences he de- that we deserve. And he gave us a gift that we didn't deserve. So if we want to play the deserve game, we need to look to God and go, oh, wow, thanks for not giving me that. And thank you for giving me this. And guess what that does? And this is what Paul is saying to this church. Hey, guys, when you get perspective on that every day, it helps you with all the hangups and all of the obnoxiousness and all of the petty things and all of the hurtful things that imperfect people in your life say and do and show up with. It just helps you. It, it helps you. I, I have a family member who all the time, it seems, every year, you know, hey, I don't feel like you, uh, you know, want us to hang out and we don't ever hang out. And, you know, and, you know, I, hey, phone works both ways. That's what I want to say. That's what I'm thinking. And finally, I'm, hey, come on, come over to my house. Come over, come over. And the whole time this family member's there on their phone, texting, playing trivia crack. Oh my goodness, what is that game? Okay, whole time, whole time. And here's what I wanna do. This is what my flesh wants to do. My flesh wants to grab the phone, stomp on it, crush it into a trillion pieces and throw it into the lake of fire. That's what I wanna do. That's what I wanna do. That, but I don't. And I wanna say, hey, look what you're doing. You know, you talk a game, but then you show up and you sit on the bench. You deserve my shame, right? That's what I want to do, and my sinful nature, because that's what I think this person deserves, because this person makes me feel a certain way sometimes, and yet, I am so glad that's not how God looks at me. I'm so glad he doesn't throw things in my face. I'm so glad that he doesn't point out my inconsistencies. I'm so glad he doesn't say, you know what, John, you say you want this, you say you want to be about all this and you say you want to grow in this, but you don't want to pay the price and you don't want to go, but you know what? I'm going to help you do it anyway. You say these things, you do these things, you hide those things, you don't. Mm. Mm. And you know what? He doesn't do that. Instead, he says, I'm going to give you a gift and I'm going to give you grace and grace and grace and I'm going to give you mercy I'm not gonna give you consequences that you do deserve. Instead, here's what I'm gonna do for you. Listen to this, verse eight. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. None of us can say, I was so good and so religious and so right. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us all along. Man, 
He says, when you were difficult to love, and you were. You see, we don't think of ourselves as difficult to love, right? We, we spin, and we deny, and we justify. And we think that we're the ones who show up with so much more to contribute to the relationship than the other person. If you're married, you know what I'm talking about. Because mm-hmm. you played that game before. You play that. You, you've gotten out your list, you know, and then all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, I am, I, I don't deserve anybody's love because for everything that I think I've done right, man, there's a trillion other things that I've done to mess this thing up. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve God's grace. I don't deserve his mercy, and yet he gave it to me. And here's what we gotta see. When we love difficult people, we live the way God created us to live. Why? Because we're difficult people. If nobody ever told you that, let me call your mom and say, what have you done to planet Earth? Right? Because you needed to tell this child. We're difficult, we're difficult, but we don't think that we are. And yet God says, when you were difficult to love, I loved you anyway, and I loved you recklessly, and I loved you radically. And listen, when you get a hold of that, you can give that away to other people. You can give that away to other people. In fact, he says in Ephesians 5, this is what the Apostle Paul says, he says this, he says, listen, <clears throat> imitate God. He says, if, if you wanna know what your purpose is on this planet Earth, it's to imitate God. How in the world am I supposed to do that? Am I supposed to go to church all the time and hear all kinds of sermons and learn all kinds of things about the Bible and sing all kinds of songs? Listen, there's nothing wrong with that. It's a good thing. But imitating God is so much beyond knowledge of the Bible. It's so much beyond activity and spirituality. Therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children, listen to this, live a life filled with love, filled with love, You want to imitate God before you quote all the memory verses that you know by heart, before you tell me how much you know about the Bible and who Moses' cousin's brother was. Why don't you love some difficult people? Like, like, just shh, 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 no, no, okay, I don't want to hear your sermon on Thessalonians, okay? Here's what I want. I want to see you go love that person first. I want to see you go love that very difficult person that can't do anything for you. I want, I want you. I want you to go. I want you to walk across the room in this church, or walk across the room in your home, and I want you to embrace that person who has deeply hurt you. And I want you to get in their life and get in their space. Imitate God. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. Okay, what's his example? He loved us. Okay, that's great. That's awesome. And we could stop there and it could be all this hippie stuff. Like, let's just love everybody. But here's what that love looks like. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us. A pleasing aroma to God. What does that mean? Here's how Jesus loves. He literally spills his blood for people who were once his enemy. goodness. He literally breaks his body for people who broke his heart. 
here's what, here's what Paul is saying. This is who God is. And this is what he's done for you. And this is how he sees you. There are things that you deserve. Separation from God for eternity. Death. But he does not give you what you deserve. Instead, he gives you what you don't deserve. And that is reckless, radical love and forgiveness. And he says, I want you to imitate him. And here's how you imitate him. Look at the example of Christ, the embodiment, heaven on earth, right? Jesus is the divine son who became the human Jesus, who gave his life as a sacrifice. And he says, that's your example. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. We become more like Jesus so we can show Jesus's love to the people we love. We become more like Jesus. If you ever wonder, man, why do I on a perfectly good Sunday morning, come to this gathering? Why do I, on a perfectly good Tuesday night or Thursday night, drive across town and meet with another eight, nine, ten other people and get around and, and pray together and read the scriptures together? Why do I, and you fill in the blank, with the ways that you participate in serving and sacrificing in this local church? This is it. It is to have a constant, ongoing laboratory in which to practice the radical, reckless love of God in the example of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. Because you're going to get your feelings hurt. You are. And you know what? Every time you get your feelings hurt, every time somebody says something that hurts your feelings or every time somebody doesn't say something that you feel like you deserve to hear or when somebody doesn't pay attention to the way that you want, when you feel that angst, when you feel that pain, guess what it is? It's a cue. It's a cue to take that pride and selfishness that is rearing itself to say, I deserve, I deserve, I don't deserve, I don't deserve. It's a moment to take that pain and look up to heaven and say, God, thank you for loving me when I was difficult to love. Now help me love this person in the example and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Woo, man, what would happen if we unleash those kinds of people on an unsuspecting marketplace, on an unsuspecting workplace, in all of the homes that are going to be littered with Christmas lights and trees and presents for the next uh, few weeks? What would happen if this group of people got a hold of that? I think families that have been broken apart that have been living in passive aggressiveness, that have been living in arm's length or have been estranged from each other, that revival would break out in those homes because of what is happening right here and right now in this place, in this moment. And let me tell you what revival is. I'm gonna tell you what it is. If, you, if you've ever wanted, like people talk about revival and people pray about revival, what is revival? This is what revival is. It's two things. It's confession of sin. It's a group of people who've said, God, I messed this up. Help me. I'm not going to go around and point my finger at other people. I'm going to confess my sin. And then out of that confession, what flows? Compassion. Compassion for our fellow man. A deep, radical love for the people right beside us and across the street and right there in our marriage and in our homes. That's what revival looks like. It's not a stadium full of people. 
It's not people just singing songs and hearing more sermons and clapping their hands and saying, yes, that's great. It's the confession of sin. I am wrong and I have participated in the hurt of this relationship. And I, through the example of Jesus Christ, want to take the forgiveness that God has given me and expand it and extend it to the people that are right in front of me. Woo, that is awakening, and I'm calling myself to it, and I hope you'll join me in it this holiday season and in 2019 and beyond. Two things. As you walk into these next two weeks, and I would say these next 20 years, be a creator, not a consumer of undeserved love. When you walk into your home, when you walk into your natural or your spiritual church family in these next two weeks, instead of just showing up and saying, give me all the undeserved love, instead walk in there and say, I'm gonna give it, I'm gonna give it. In my mind, I don't think they deserve it, but that's a cue for me to give it to them even more. If my mom can only give me a thimble full of love in my deep, endless ocean of need and longing, I'm gonna take that thimble, I'm gonna take it. And I'm gonna hug her and I'm gonna love her. And I'm gonna care about her. And I'm gonna be kind to her. Second, when you encounter difficult people, and you will today, you will before you get out of this building, okay? When you encounter difficult people, give them what they don't deserve. Because you got a list of things that they do deserve because they were rude to you or they ignored you or they fill in the blank. Instead of giving them what you think they deserve, which is you being mean back to them or giving them a piece of your mind or putting them at arm's length or putting them in a box, instead give them what they don't deserve and reach your hand out to them and say, I want to pray for you right now. Hey, are you okay? Hey, is there something that I've done to hurt you? Hey, I just want to hug you right now. Hey, let me give you this. You know what? Let me give you that. Let me pile all this love on you right now. And I, and I promise you, Brownwood Church, that, that'll change the world. That'll start, that'll start an awakening, confession and compassion, the elements of awakening. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? I want to step into this moment for a second. You and I don't deserve the radical and reckless love of God. And yet he gives it to us. Give it away when you go home for Christmas. Give it away. And right now, I think some of you need to pray for the strength to do that. In fact, I think some of you need to come down here today. In fact, here's what I would just say. If you even think you need it today, when we start to sing in this time of response, I just want you to walk out and just walk up and just say, you know what, I'm, I'm getting ready to go home for Christmas. And man, I, I need you to help. I need this church to help me. But some of you are here today and you know that today is the day that you have to stop running and rebelling and resisting God because you've heard how, how crazy in love God is for you and what he's willing to do to chase after you with his love. And he brought you, I believe, here to this moment right now to make clear to you that love. And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to count to three. And on three, I want you to boldly raise your hand and say, today I stop res resisting and rebelling against God. And today I believe and follow Jesus Christ. I'm going to start right now. One, right now, right where you are, in your heart and in your mind, maybe even out loud, you just, tell, you just tell God, thank you, God, for being my heavenly father. 
And today, I accept your fathering of my life eternally. I accept your invitation to be your child. You just tell him that right now in your own words. I'm done running from you, God. Today, I turn to you. And that's all you have to do. It doesn't matter how far you think you run. It's just one turn and God's always been there. Two, right now, accept his perfect salvation through his perfect son, Jesus Christ. He has sent Jesus Christ to this earth 2,000 years, heaven to earth, to be a sacrifice for your sins, past, present, and future, eternally. There is nothing you have done or will do that is not under the forgiveness of that eternal sacrifice. He wipes everything clean. You are now eternally forgiven. Right now, in this moment, let the perfect spirit of God rush into your heart and mind to give you wisdom, to give you discernment, to give you strength in this moment. Because I'm gonna tell you something. You're gonna need it today and you're gonna need it tomorrow. You're gonna need it when it's difficult to love. You're gonna need it when it's difficult to believe. You're gonna need it when it's difficult to get up and get out of bed. You're gonna need it when you're on the couch spiritually and you don't wanna get up. You're gonna need it when you want to put those old chains back on. The Holy Spirit right now is rushing into your heart and rushing into your mind and to be the down payment for your eternity on the day of resurrection, you will be raised. And three, if you prayed that today, I want you to boldly raise your hand right now. Today is the day. Just just let me know right now with your hand raised boldly. Today is the day that I stepped into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I stop running, I stop rebelling, I stop resisting. Just boldly raise your hand right now. All right. Let's stand right now. Let's stand. Brownwood Church, I want you to celebrate two more people, two more people who passed from death to life, from darkness into life. And Brentwood Church, I want to remind you, that is a miracle. No words of man can convince the human heart to be poor in spirit and to raise their hands to God and say, God, save me from myself. Only the miracle of the Holy Spirit conspiring with the conscience of a human being can make that crystal clear beyond doubt and disillusionment. You witnessed that today. If that was you today, I want you to do this for me. I want you to tell somebody that you made that decision. You can do that by walking out of where you are as soon as we start to sing and just say, today I made that decision. Or you can text believe to the number on the screen. If we didn't see your hand or you didn't raise your hand, I want you to do the same thing. I want you to reach out to somebody. But here's the deal, here's the deal. Today, whoever you are, if there is a relationship in your life and it is absolutely difficult for you to love them. And you need in this moment, this church to get around you. I just want you to come out and I want you to step here. I want you to go to the back and just say, I need prayer. I'm getting ready to go home for Christmas. I'm getting ready to step into this mess. I need help. I need this church. If you need a miracle today, just like Morgan prayed for her sister, Emily, 
just a few weeks ago. If you need a miracle today, I want you to let this church get around you and pray for that. You can come to the front or you can go to the back. Whatever it is that you need today, maybe it's a miracle in a relationship. Maybe it's healing emotionally. Maybe it's healing in your mind. Maybe it's today some chains that need to get broken. Let this song about the reality and the depth of God's love be an anthem for you. Maybe you just need to step right where you are and get to your knees and just pray for revival in your own heart. I don't know what it is. We're gonna sing the song. This is a new song to many of you, but it won't take long to learn and it will not take anything for you to step out and be obedient. Thanks so much for listening today. We believe that everyone has a next step towards Jesus and we'd love to help you take yours. Email us at hello at brentwoodchurch.org or visit our website, brentwoodchurch.org slash next steps. Until next time, go change the world.